Hello and welcome back. I am Curtis. I'm Jesse. And this is Domino Universe. Today we're going to be talking about a really super fun, lighthearted topic. Something hopeful and positive about the future. But kind of. We're going to be, so we're going to be talking about climate change, uh -huh. but I actually want to try and make this positive because if we talk about climate change only as this like dark and dreary demon that is dark and dreary demon, that was quite an alliteration unintentionally. But if we talk about it as this monster, it can feel like there's no solution to it. And today I want to talk strictly about solutions. Great. Um, which is something I don't do a lot of on my YouTube channel. Mm. You know, I'll make a seven minute video and the last 30 seconds of it will be like, oh, by the way, here's what you can do. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to try to, I hope we can kind of flip that narrative today. So we're going to talk about solutions, both from an individual level, like in your lifestyle and what we can do globally, like systematic government changes okay and how you can how you can help with that I want to start with talking about you know talking about the, the issue because there's still some people that don't really fully grasp the magnitude of it but we're gonna keep this section really short okay um, so if you want you can skip ahead like two minutes and you'll be like oh okay let's figure out what we can do um, I know I've asked you this before at sure. least once yeah um, what did, do, you, do you know your carbon footprint? I don't. Do you Me know? personally, I don't. Yeah. So if you, a lot of people don't. I think it's an interesting thing to do, um, to calculate, which you can just do by searching carbon footprint calculator. Okay. Type in some things like where you live, what you eat, how far you drive normally, and you'll come out with an estimate for how much CO2 you put into the air. Mm. Um, you do know... I'm pretty sure how well Canada performs. So I've, I've heard for a long time that uh, actually per capita, not the whole country, but like per capita for each individual person, Canada is one of, if not the worst uh, in terms of carbon footprint. Yeah. Yeah. We're horrible, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I have the stat here. Um, each Canadian produces 22 tons of greenhouse gases per year, mm -hmm. which is... It, like enormous so in comparison that's that's the highest of all g20 members mm -hmm. it's nearly three times the average g20 member wow which is like astronomical yeah yeah um, when you talk about tons any amount of tons of a gas that's a it's sort of a mind-blowing amount of stuff yeah gas is light it tends to be. I wanted to, there was a long time where I wanted to do a video on like filling a blimp with my carbon footprint oh, or some sort of balloon. Yeah. But it's actually, it's too much. Yeah. Like uh, even if I just went to a day, that's somewhere around like 80, 60 to 80 kilograms of gas in a day, okay. which is, is enormous. Yeah. It's like, that is like an, uh, a blimp worth of, well, maybe not a full blimp. It's a huge amount yeah. of gas. Oh yeah. Um, and so it just like became unfeasible, like technically unfeasible to do a video like that. Hmm. Um, but anyway, Canada's pretty bad. Yeah. Do you know where any of that, like why, what's so bad about Canadians? We're very, we're, we're apologetic. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apologies have a surprisingly high carbon footprint. Um, no, we're a very big country and we're very spread out and there are inefficiencies with, uh, with low density. Um, we're a country of extreme climate, you know, it gets in most of the country, it gets very hot in the summer and very cold in the winter. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, air conditioning and heating. 
uh, transporting things across such a large country. And then there's a lot of industry, you know, yeah. logging, mining, uh, oil and gas and that kind of thing, ex- resource extraction. Yeah, we really have, especially since the Harper government, which is for those that aren't Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were, we, he was highly villainized for, uh, I think, a lot of very legitimate reasons. Like muzzling, he basically made it impossible for scientists to talk about climate research. Yeah. Um, anyway, our previous prime minister really tried to create a Canadian economy that was based around oil, mm-hmm. um, because we have some of the largest oil, the third largest uh, shale gas reserves in the world, mm. um, and that's in Alberta, one of one of our provinces. Anyway, we he really worked to try and tie our economy to this unsustainable fuel that and I mean in a lot of ways he was super successful and I think that that's where a lot of our carbon impact is coming from it's Mm -hmm. from you know mining this super unsustainable uh fossil fuel yeah so that's kind of dark and dreary um I feel like so I I guess here's the plug go and find out what your carbon footprint is Mm -hmm. Um, at the very least, it'll tell, tell you a little bit about yourself personally, but also about like what issues are important globally, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think a lot of people are like, what are some of the things people think about when they think about saving the environment? It's like, oh, don't use plastic straws. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, let's see. You know, I think people have uh, some really great ideas. Driving mm-hmm. less is, uh, I think you get a, a pretty common answer if we're playing Family Feud, which is... You know, that's a great one. Drive yeah. us. Um, recycle. Yeah. It's, but like, so those of those three, which I think are probably the three that I've heard the most, yep. only one of them has a very strong link with climate change. Like yep. plastic is a huge problem. Sure. But like plastic straws and recycling aren't the biggest like biggest solutions to climate change. They're they're a different issue altogether, right? I think climate change and environmentalism generally tend to get muddled together Mm -hmm. and they're, they're absolutely related, but climate change is only one part of environmentalism. And yeah. 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 So I recommend do your carbon footprint calculations and see, and I think you'll be, you might be quite surprised by like how much of your footprint is coming from, from your fuel from your car or from the heating of your house Mm. um take a look it's instructive but then also the first step in solutions and i think we're already getting into what we can do personally um is to read Hmm. which is like a bold i think like it's kind of hilarious in a way to be like reading is a radical act but it really is um for some context like i did my master's of science uh, in environmental in environmental science, I felt like I knew a lot about climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't read a single book about climate change. I'd read lots okay. of lots of articles, yeah. and I'd read lots of news stories and tweets and so on. But like, I don't know many people that have actually sat down to read a book about climate change. I don't think that I have. Yeah, if I'm being honest, that's that's. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Um, I think. Do you like any idea why? You have, like you, you're a well-read person. Um, yeah, I think, not to put you on the spot, but here's, here's you on the spot. <laughs> well, I, I wish I could say that I just didn't know of any climate change books, but I, I do. I've, I've heard of a number of them. Honestly, the past few years, my book reading has gone down considerably, and it's a lot of, uh, you know, podcasts listening to, which sometimes can be great, but, you know, it's not the same as, as reading a book. 
uh, and then you know long form articles. I've read lots of articles yeah. about climate change and and that kind of thing. But uh, but as far as books go, yeah, I don't know. I think I have such a long list of like physics and astronomy books. <laughs> I just haven't gotten to uh, to Earth yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was in a similar spot. I yeah. feel like when I was, you know, I, I read, I don't, I don't even know how many books I've read that are just like science, like nonfiction science books. Yeah. Probably read, I don't know, like one or two a month. Mm. And I've read to date three climate book, climate change books, and they were all from this year. Okay. Because um, I felt like, yeah, you know, like, it's interesting, but you kind of get it. The planet's getting warmer. Mm. It's going to be bad. Um, honestly, I feel like I was also kind of scared. To read a book about climate change. Okay. Climate change is kind of depressing. Mm. You feel like you maybe don't want to fill mm-hmm. your whole life with it for a week. But it's like actually a pretty empowering thing because, mm. like, I mean, knowledge is power. Of right? course. Yeah. But really, like, if you understand the problem at a higher level and understand the issues and the solutions to them, it's, it's, if fun, I mean, at least for me, it fundamentally changed how, um, like my psychological relationship with with the issue. Sure. Um, we'll put a few links to a few books in the description of the podcast. Two I can recommend right off right off the podcast right now. One is called The Carbon Bubble. I have it here on the table. It's by Jeff Rubin. The subtitle is What Happens to Us When It Bursts. Um, it's kind of a Canadian perspective, but mm. talks a lot about the economics of, of climate change, which is fascinating. And then the other is uh, This Changes Everything by Naomi Klein. I feel like I've probably talked about Naomi Klein on the I, podcast I, I, before. That sounds likely. I certainly know of her. Yeah. Um, it's a really like super comprehensive introductory read. Uh, I strongly recommend it. Mm-hmm. But with that, what do we do in our lifestyles after you've read the books and know about the issue? Um, you want to start with the individuals in, in our own lives? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, so there's a problem with this is that it's going to depend on your carbon footprint, right? Which sure. is why I wanted people to calculate it. Yeah. If I say the biggest thing you can do is to drive less, mm. I mean, I commute. I don't, I don't commute. I work from home. Right. You bike to work. Yep. Right? Yep. I mean, Would, you know, we're both in a, in a fortunate situation where we're able to do that. That's not the case for everybody. For sure. But like, there's also some people that like are super, super sustainable in a lot of ways, but they drive for two hours a day. Right. You know, so I mean, it's, this is all going to depend on your footprints in particular. But number one thing I have on this list is to try and travel less. Um, I have written down. It's about the distance and the number of passengers. So mm-hmm. if, you know, people are worried about like, oh, should I fly this distance? Should I drive this distance? Like what vehicle is most sustainable? Mm-hmm. What matters most is just like cutting down the total amount of travel by a fossil fuel vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you, I mean, you bike, you normally bike yeah. <laughs> to work. Yeah. Um, you can walk, you can take public transit. The more people in the vehicle, generally, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you can commute from, or if you can work from home, you can do that. Especially for things like, a lot of people travel to conferences. And uh, I know there's a there's been a, a trend, a push uh, movement lately to teleconference a lot more for things that would have required either a long drive or a air travel yeah. trip or, or, or something like that. 
Um, you know, it's not feasible for a lot of people to work from home every day, but there are a lot of specific instances where uh, working from home or working sort of remotely from your normal office with remote teams is uh, a lot more feasible now than it than it used to be. I really can't like whenever I'm at a conference, which I don't do often now, I can't help but think like, wow, people flew from all over for this two day event. Yeah. You know, I think about, I mean, Greta Thunberg is a great example. She sure. sailed across the Atlantic, the Atlantic. Yeah. I'm on the Pacific. So that's all I think <laughs> about now. Um, yeah. She like sailed to more, m- mostly as a statement of like, we need to be yeah. considering this as a factor. Right. Um, Cause yeah, like people will go to conf- when I was in my masters, I went to Germany twice. I went to Washington DC and I went to like all of these things for science and environment conferences mm-hmm. without like thinking twice about the impact of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, like my flying impact was worse than like the average person's impact at the mm-hmm. end of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another thing that's, that's reasonable for, for a lot of people, uh, when it comes to driving less is First of all, keep your car up to date on its emissions. Get it checked. I forget the name of the the check that you do in Canada. The air air care. I like don't know, but do it. Do it. Yeah, Google. Per, per, get your car. Yeah, get your get, do an emissions check, and then there's some there's some I simple. Think it might just be called an emissions. Let's check. keep it simple. Yeah. Do an emissions check on your on your vehicle, and make sure that you're you're uh, uh, doing the repairs necessary to keep that as low as possible. Check your tire pressure. That's a huge uh, a huge thing for fuel efficiency. Um, and, uh, if you're in a position where you're looking for a new vehicle, buy a used vehicle that's maybe a little bit smaller than your, than your current one and is more fuel efficient. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like people are like, oh, well, my car can't be that efficient because it's not a Tesla. Yeah. You don't have to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a Tesla. Just yeah. get a slightly smaller, uh, vehicle yeah. and, you know, work around that. And in a lot of cases, like getting a new vehicle that has a huge carbon footprint associated totally. with it, right? Like yeah. just take care of your stuff. And yeah. that's actually true, not just for vehicles. Uh, I have on this list, buy less stuff, yeah. find used stuff, take care of what you have. Um, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, if I have, let's say my camera, which I use all the time, if I broke it or if I just decided to get a new camera, there's a ton of precious metals that have been mined and sure. there's a lot of plastic that has, plastic is from oil, right? Right. It's been shipped all around the world. They've been put together and shipped to me and so on, boxed in materials. All of that has a carbon yeah. footprint. If you can take care of your stuff, if I can, if I can last my, go through my lifetime with only using two cameras instead of three or mm. five, that's huge. Sure. Um, yeah, so take care of your cars, take care of your stuff. Um, I feel like we live in a pretty, I mean, saying we live in a disposable age is something people have heard before, but like, I feel like aside from you, I don't know a lot of people, and my, maybe my brother, I don't know a lot of people that know how to repair stuff. Oh, uh, thank you. I take that as a compliment. I uh, I could sure be a lot better than I am. Yeah. But I mean, it's fun, right? Like, oh, you absolutely. It. Like you're such a maker and you like <laughs> building and... and yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, take care of your stuff. Great idea. Uh, I have a total side tangent rant. It's not that much of a tangent. It's like a microcosm that I I feel like is disproportional to devote that much time to, but it's something, something I've been thinking about a lot. Hey, it's your podcast. It's our podcast. Do it. (laughs) Leaf blowers. Okay. Oh my God. (laughs) Leaf blowers. So yeah. I mean, I always have known that leaf blowers are really loud and obnoxious. Mm. Uh, they, 
I've been doing a bunch of reading on them because they've just been like literally blowing my brain apart. Um, leaf floors, uh, leaf floors don't blow; they suck. No, uh, I'm done with the jokes. For real, leaf floors are typically too loud to not cause hearing damage. Okay, which is super loud, and yeah. that's always been my main concern. Mm. But it turns out that since most of them are two-stroke engines, mm. they are despicable for 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 the climate change because mm-hmm. apparently two-stroke engines just oxidize like something like a third or half of the fuel that they they go through okay um which means what number one people get respiratory issues okay um because it's you're just breathing in fumes mm. um people tend like if you if you talk with people that do lawn care for a living and use uh use leaf blowers, you'll, you'll hear they get like chronic headaches. Interesting. Which is really bad, right? Turns out that using a leaf blower for one hour, guess how far you could drive a car to make, the, like a Toyota Camry, yeah. to make the same emissions? For an hour. Well, I mean, even an inefficient two-stroke engine, it's a small engine in a leaf blower. Um, I'm going to say 15 minutes. No, in distance. Oh, in distance. Oh, 10 kilometers. Yeah, so this is going to be horrible. If you I gotta use... say, my math on that is awful because 15 minutes of driving in 10 kilometers are nowhere near one another. But I'm going to stick with 10 kilometers. So this is from a CBC source, okay? One hour use of a commercial leaf blower, the yeah. pollution produced was equivalent to driving 1,800 kilometers in a Toyota Camry. What? Yeah, it's remarkable. It's like next level and there's things like that you could drive the leaves you could chauffeur the leaves one by one down the block and still be yeah come out ahead i mean two stroke engines basically just put the fuel they just oxidize fuel right Amazing. they're just pushing it into the air they're so inefficient interesting what's remarkable to me about that in particular is that we don't even need leaf blowers we can literally just rake the lawn or you can literally just leave the leaves there, and they will add carbon to the soil. Yeah, there, there you go. Like it's actually better for yeah. the... Anyway, that's my leaf blower rant for the day. Leaf them alone. Oh, oh, I thought we were done. I know, no more What about, let's expand that to lawns in general. Oh my god. Let's just not have lawns anymore. Yeah, the whole idea is Put in a meadow. ludicrous. I mean, it's an invasive species. Yeah. Like, it literally is only here because of, like, humans. Yeah. Um, we spend more in fertilizers. It's the most it's the most irrigate, irrigated crop in North America. That blew my mind. You told me that a while ago. That uh, that really blew my mind. Yeah, and like more lawn grass than corn, soy, whatever. Yeah, I did a whole I did a Instagram post about it. So and I forget the numbers, but like people spend months of their life taking care of the lawn, and yeah. I, I don't know who spends you know even a day a week on their lawn. Yeah. Um, which is just like, just like in, in terms of enjoying it, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's just all the, all the time you spend on it is riding this mower around and blowing the leaves around to just fuel climate change. It's great. Consider a meadow. Yeah. A meadow or just like have a rock garden or, you know, don't have a front yard and make a public space even bigger and nicer. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like that's a lot for, um, I mean, there's a few more things on the, like, individual action. We turn your heat down. Through. Put yeah, on turn, a sweater. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and the opposite is true. Like, when on a hot day, you don't need to turn the AC up. You can 
wear fewer clothes. You can sit next to a fan. Drink some water. Drink some water. Yeah, drink some cold water. Um, Just be uncomfortable for a minute, okay? Seriously, though. I mean, we are, yeah. We don't need to, like, be the masters of our environment at all times. I'm being a little facetious, but also facetious. Uh, but also, you know, not. Yeah. You don't have to be, you don't have to be at exactly 21 degrees all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we are so disconnected from the environment, like, from nature and from the environment where we're like, if it's not bending to our will at every moment, we are not doing it right. Yeah. Um, one last thing I will say in this section, um, and it's a great example of how your climate impact will be determined by like you in particular and what you can do depends on who you are. Mm. But if you are someone very wealthy and you have investments, you can choose where those investments are going, mm. right? You can decide to just give your money to fossil fuel indexes and make a lot of money, maybe for now, um, and contribute to climate change, or you can like re- invest only in renewable energy. Um, if you're curious about this, and if this sounds like you, uh, just start searching for divesting from fossil fuels. It is, it is probably for the average, well, for a person of wealth, if you already don't have a huge footprint, if you have an average size footprint, it is probably the best way for you to make a big difference in the world. So check that out. That's a really good point, And that can be super simple. You know, when you, if you have mutual fund investments that you don't think about except for your whatever, every other year meeting with your bank manager, they have whole mutual fund packages that are all about environmentalism, divesting from fossil fuels, specifically investing in sustainable technologies or, or uh, carbon-friendly businesses. Um, you can you can just wave your hand and make that happen. Yeah, uh, it's all bundled and packaged together and made easy for you. Yeah, just ask. Yeah, or Google it. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah it's there. So. He, like, and that's like a. These are the sorts of things that we need to consider because they are like one-time changes yeah. that have a lasting impact, right? Yeah, that's. Not, I'm going to make a point of doing that. Just checking out my my uh, meager portfolio and making sure that it's uh, responsible. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I went down a huge rabbit hole earlier this year, but that's a whole other. All right. It's the. It's a. It's a good. Good thing to do. Yeah. Um, let's move on from talking about individual change to talking about system change. Do it. I think that this is where we really need to be investing energy. Um, like our like our personal energy, like personal effort. Sure. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a really important point. A lot of uh, a lot of the the uh, conversation about climate change is shaming or admonishing individuals, which we've engaged in a little bit of in the last few minutes, uh, and making it seem as if it's it's individual people driving to work that's the cause of the problem. And while everything contributes um, to get slightly political, I think it kind of helps out the big uh, contributors to climate change to put the focus on individuals who are just living their lives and pretending as if the problem exists with them. So, like you say, let's talk about yeah. the, the big ones. I, I feel like part of that is that people don't know how to like go about taking yeah. action on big things. Daunting. It, yeah. it is daunting. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's a democracy, so, well, the only thing I can do is vote, right? Right. Which, uh, if you are in a, democ- in a democratic country, is super important. Um, but it's it's really only something you can do every few years. Sure. Uh, so, with, with while actually while we're talking about voting, it is a Canadian election coming up on October twenty first. If you are Canadian and you want to vote for climate, you can search climate champions. Hmm. Um, there's an organization called Lead Now that I've been volunteering with, 
and they put together a list by interviewing tons of, of candidates. They put together a list of people that are running on like strong climate action platforms. Hmm. So check it out. Um, I'll put a link to that as well. But yeah, vote. It's just, vote for someone that is going to be devoting their time to solving this issue. Hmm. Um, and I guess while I'm plugging all of this, I will say I know I've had conversations with people that are like, "Oh, but you can't just vote on climate change. Like that isn't you know we shouldn't be dealing with a one one issue election." But climate change is literally going to affect every single thing. Like you hear you hear the words like "our house is on fire" mm. linked to climate change, and I really do think that any other issue, whether it's healthcare or um, equality or whatever, those are all super important issues. But they're like rearranging the house because if our planet burns <laughs> down, like if they're sorry, they're like rearranging the furniture in a house that's on fire, right? Yeah. Like if we don't. If we don't solve the issue of climate change, and none of the other issues are going to matter, right? Yeah. Not to be dark, but that's that's my plug for voting for someone uh, that, that has climate change as a primary thing. Okay. Okay. Um, have I talked at all about Climate Hour, this thing? Like with you, Jesse. I know my listeners you've, probably haven't. You've mentioned it, but I would love to hear more about what you've been doing. Yeah. So I didn't, didn't have a clue about how to go about taking political action um, towards something like this. So I've been trying to do this campaign where once a day for roughly an hour, I do some sort of political activism for, for climate change. Okay. Um, things people normally think of, which you've seen probably a lot of in the last few weeks, there's strikes mm-hmm. for climate. Um, I had never been to a climate strike or a strike before. Mm. Have you, do you, have you ever been to a, on a, in a strike? I don't know if I've been on a... Or, or, a, or a, a march. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the annual March for Science, right. uh, which is, is heavily climate-focused, but, uh, but sort of science issues in general. I have been a part of that in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds How's like... How's that feel? Do you remember how that, what, that, what that's like? Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I personally, I'm not really like a joiner of big movement-y things. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They've been neat. Yeah, I was always like, ah, that seems like, it seems like, like I'm kind of, an, I'm, I'm an introvert, and I feel like those yeah. scenarios are stressful. Yeah. Um, I recently, like just last week, went to a climate march in Vancouver, and I was like super nervous, and like I didn't know literally anyone there, mm. and it was so fun, and like it was so encouraging, like it was like, oh my god, there's hundreds of people here that are taking time out of their Friday afternoon to go and just like stand against climate change, mm. which is, is pretty empowering. Yeah. I felt like I started my weekend being like on the high, you know, on a super high from it, which is nice. cool. Um, and this recent climate strike, it seemed pretty big, huh? Four million people. There was wow. four million people across the country, sorry, across the world. Mm. Um, some of the biggest strikes ever in a lot of countries like Australia has never had a strike of that magnitude, hmm. protests of that magnitude in its entire history. Hmm. It's huge. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know in March, earlier sometime in the spring of this year, there was another protest for climate and it was like half that size, hmm. which is really cool that it's like, it's growing momentum like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada's, well, by the, this podcast should be out on Monday, so hopefully Canada's was big on Friday. Okay. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, that's tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday. Yeah. Anyway. Time. 
Uh, okay, so you can protest. We'll leave links, but check out Fridays for Future literally every Friday in a lot of places. And if it isn't in your city or your town, you can you can join in. Well, like you can start one, you know. Uh, so, but check out if you Google Fridays for Future, it'll give you a place to get started. Um, aside from like strikes, and I feel like this is there's a lot of categories here that are applicable to more people that aren't maybe keen to get outside and and march for something. Mm. You can like straight up just get in touch with your political representatives and your political candidates. Um, and kind of maybe also seems intimidating, but like they're just real people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you been doing any of that with your hour for climate, getting in touch with reps? Yeah. So I haven't started getting in touch with, um, with current representatives because okay. it's kind of a weird time because we are in an sure. election. So sure. on the one hand, I like obviously want to get people that are currently in power to make changes, but I also... I'm trying to, and I've spent most of my climate hour so far, working with candidates. Mm. Um, so people that are running for the running for office. Okay. Um, in particular, whoa, sorry, the computer just glitched out. In particular, I've been volunteering with two organizations around the, the elections. Mm. One is Lead Now, which I mentioned. Okay. Um, and I've been actually volunteering for and with the Green Party, which okay. has been really cool. Mm. Um, my local candidate here in uh, in Vancouver is Lawrence Taylor, uh, and he's a scientist. He's the only like trained scientist that are that's running in this riding. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, For any scientists listening, consider a shift to politics. Really, I that, right? I think, I think that's uh, that's awesome when people with a science background get into uh, yeah into into politics and management. Yeah, it's something we have very very few of. Like, there's very few politicians that are that are doing that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's super important. Um, yeah. So and he's and he's also just like a really great honest honest guy. But anyway, I've been volunteering, and there's a lot of things you can do as a volunteer. I mean, you can like go and do, go door knocking. You can call people, but you can also just like find out what your strengths are and contribute them. So. Yeah. I'm working to make a video, like a one-minute video for his campaign, because hmm. um, like that's what that's what one of my skills is. I make videos, you nice. know. Yeah. Um, whatever yours is, if you make posters, if you are a good writer, if you know how to make websites, a lot of these, a lot of these people need websites, right? Sure. Um, but just get in touch with them and see what you can do to help. Um, it can make a huge difference, even just a little bit of your time. I don't want this to be about money, but also. Uh, a lot of these organizations are pretty grassroots mm. and like even a small donation to them can, can make a huge difference, mm. right? They can help pay for ads, uh, pay for signs, you know, pay for, pay for events. All of these things cost money, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. What else do we have here? Uh, oh, I think the last thing that we should talk about is strictly just like talking about climate change. Yeah. Thanksgiving's coming up in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Good time for family discussions, contentious, political, but change like, the minds. But important, right? Absolutely. I feel like climate change is one of the issues that I I think a lot of families don't talk about. And I think that there's a huge disconnect between young populations and yep. their parents, basically. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to be like, 
you know, making some awkward dinner conversations at Thanksgiving or wherever it is, whatever it is. You know? I really like that. Let's make that a challenge. Yeah. When you uh, when you go see your family for Thanksgiving, start a little something. <laughs> but like, it doesn't need to be. I mean, like, it's interesting because I think when whenever someone understands the magnitude of the issue with climate, they immediately like they get it, and I've seen this click in people where yeah. it's been like, oh. I do love my my grandchildren, and I want them to have a planet to live on. Of course that makes sense, and of course I can support that. Mm. But in order to get to that step, someone that they care about needs to actually have a compassionate conversation with them. So, yes. so talk about it, and talk about it with strangers. Um, I, if I dare say, you could share this podcast episode and listen to it with them. Uh, yeah, start a conversation. It's super important. We always talk about we try to talk about someone that is doing work related to an epi- related to the episode we're on who isn't also a white guy because Lord knows there's enough enough of us <laughs> in the media. We're we're very well represented, so yeah, yeah let's uh, let's point pretty over well over represented. Yeah, um, I've talked about Greta Thunberg before. She's amazing. And like in so many ways, and she's actually uh, she's actually in North America right now, which is cool. It's been so fun to watch her. But there's a lot of other young people that are involved in the climate strike and and in Fridays for Future movements um, around the world. We want to push two that are people of color because, unfortunately, uh, climate change is going to adversely affect predominantly people of color and people of, uh, of indigenous backgrounds, mm-hmm. people in places uh, all, all over the world. Like this is, it's just how it's going to play out and we need to hear their voices. We, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of young people we need to be listening to. Anyway, two people uh, that we can t- shout out now. One is Mary Copany. Uh, her Twitter handle is little miss Flint because uh, she, from Flint, Flint, Michigan. She, uh, her Twitter description is the founder of hashtag Dear Flint Kids and Waters, or sorry, Wednesday, what? Wednesdays for Water, uh, cheerleader and future president. Love it. Yeah, really awesome. Uh, go check her out. And the other one, which I'm gonna give you the the pronunciation difficulty for. Great. Yeah, I believe that this is pronounced Z Bastida, which uh, you can find your Twitter handle at X I. Y-E-B-A-S-T-I-D-A. And she is a 17-year-old climate justice activist, uh, Atomi Toltec, and organizer for at F4F underscore NYC, member of the PCMNY admin committee. That's Fridays for Future stuff in New York. Check her out. Check them both out. Um, I'll leave links to both of their like Twitter profiles in the description. Yeah. Uh, let's do something for climate, even if you only do one thing for one hour, one day. Um, ideally, we would be all making a habit out of out of like taking action. But even if you just do one thing, that's a great place to start. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Cool. See you next time.